Hare Krishna, my dear devotees. Welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, right here in Hive, Kent, Southeast England, just near the English Channel. Uh, we're dedicating our lives to hearing from Srila Prabhupada directly. And this is extremely important, I think, for the spreading of the Krishna Consciousness Movement. Because as Srila Prabhupada said, uh, I have given everything in my books. If you want to know what I think, read my books. And literally, we can uh, associate with Srila Prabhupada uh, through hearing his books like this. This is a favorite thing for us to do. As a matter of fact, I was in the room <clears throat> towards the end when he said, and also you can find this from one of the last purports that he wrote. The last purport, um, yeah, in the tenth canto. Um, just, just go on um, discussing Srimad Bhagavatam among yourselves and everything will remain clear. So the more we do this, the more we hear Srila Prabhupada's books directly, and then discuss them from different angles of vision, uh, our vision will remain clear. And then we can be the proper examples and be empowered to spread Krishna consciousness. Okay. Srimad Bhagavatam Mahima Stotram by Srila Sanatan Goswami, who is the senior disciple of Sanatan Goswami, by the way. Uh, he glorifies the Bhagavatam, like this. <clears throat> Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kali Dvandodita Ditya, Sri Krishna Paribartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya, Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you, who were supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madekabando Matsangin Madguro Man Mahadana my only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadhu sadhu tadayin atini chotatakada hanamun chen mam O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, we reached the second chapter of the second canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, entitled The Lord of the Lord in the Heart. Uh, Sugadev Goswami is continuing. Um, he explained 
how neophyte devotees should meditate on the universal form and explained how to do that. Uh, now he's explaining how <clears throat> the yogis can meditate uh, on Krishna in the heart. And he's taking us through the stages of pure devotional service. Okay, we're starting from text 9. <clears throat> Shukadev Goswami is expressing uh, the super soul, the form of the Lord in the heart. His mouth expresses his happiness. His eyes spread like the petals of a lotus, and his garments, yellowish like the saffron of a kadamba flower, are bedecked with valuable jewels. His ornaments are all made of gold, set with jewels, and he wears a glowing headdress and earrings. Text 10 His lotus feet are placed over the horals of the lotus-like hearts of great mystics. On his chest is the Kaustuba jewel, engraved with a beautiful calf. And there are other jewels on his shoulders, his complete torso is garlanded with fresh flowers. PURPORT The ornaments, flowers, clothing, and all the other decorations on the transcendental body of the, Supreme, of the Personality of Godhead are identical with the body of the Lord. None of them are made of material ingredients. Otherwise, there would be no chance of their decorating the body of the Lord. As such, in the Parabhyoma, spiritual varieties are also distinguished from the material variegatedness. Text 11 He is well decorated with an ornamental wreath about his waist and rings studded with valuable jewels on his fingers, his leglets, his bangles, his oiled hair curling with a bluish tint and his beautiful smiling face are all very pleasing. PURPORT The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the most beautiful person amongst all others, and Srila Shukadeva Goswami describes every part of his transcendental beauty, one after another, in order to teach the impersonalist that the Personality of Godhead is not in imagination by the devotee for facility of worship, but is the Supreme Person in fact and figure. The impersonal feature of the Absolute Truth is but His radiation, as the sun rays are but radiations from the sun. Text 12 The Lord's magnanimous pastimes and the glowing glancing of his smiling face are all indications of his extensive benedictions. One must therefore concentrate on this transcendental form of the Lord as long as the mind can be fixed on him by meditation. PURPORT In the Bhagavad Gita 12.5, it is said that the impersonalist undergoes a series of difficult programs on account of his impersonal meditation. But the devotee, due to the Lord's personal service, progresses very easily. Impersonal meditation is therefore a source of suffering for the impersonalist. Here, the devotee has an advantage over the impersonalist philosopher. The impersonalist is doubtful about the personal feature of the Lord and therefore he always tries to meditate upon something which is not objective. Thus, here is an authentic statement in the Bhagavatam regarding the positive concentration of the mind on the factual form of the Lord. It is suggested herein that the meditative devotee should try to concentrate on the described form of the Lord as long as the mind can be fixed upon him. 
His smiling benedictions on the devotee are said to be extensive. And what to speak of his transcendental pastimes? To the, to the neophytes, the great acharyas offer the same advantage by installing deities in the temples. The neophytes can then come to the temples and directly concentrate upon the Lord by looking at his deity form, archa murti. This form of the Lord is equivalent to that described here by Srila Shukadeva Goswami, who factually realized the Lord after hearing directly from his great father, Srila Vyasadeva. Temple worship is not idol worship, as is misconceived by the less intelligent, because the deity is not a product of iconography. iconography. The deity in the temple is authentic because he is installed not according to imagination but following the instructions of revealed scripture. Therefore the iconoclast therefore the iconoclast should not try to banish temple worship and risk turning society towards atheism. Imitation worship, however, is not advantageous because it is a product of material imagination and is thus not equivalent to the meditation recommended here in the Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam. The process of meditation recommended herein is bhakti-yoga or the process of devotional service after one is liberated from the material conditions. Jnana-yoga is the process of liberation from the material conditions. After one is liberated from the conditions of material existence, that is, when one is nivritta, as previously stated herein, or when one is freed from all material necessities, one becomes qualified to discharge the process of bhakti-yoga. Therefore, bhakti-yoga includes jnana-yoga, or in other words, the process of pure devotional service simultaneously serves the purpose of jnana-yoga. Liberation from material conditions is automatically achieved by the gradual development of pure devotional service. These effects of bhakti-yoga are called anartha-nivriti. Things which are artificially acquired gradually disappear as one makes progress in bhakti-yoga. Meditation on the lotus feet of the Personality of Godhead, the first step in the process, must show its effect by anartha-nivriti. The grossest type of anartha, which binds the conditioned soul in material existence, is sex desire. And this sex desire gradually develops in the union of the male and female. When the male and female are united, the sex desire is further aggravated by the accumulation of buildings, children, friends, relatives, and wealth. When all these are, when all these are acquired, the conditioned soul becomes overwhelmed by such entanglements, and the false sense of egoism or the sense of myself and mine becomes prominent and the sex desire expands to various political, social, altruistic, philanthropic and many other unwanted engagements resembling the foam of the sea waves which becomes very prominent but which becomes very prominent at one time and at the next moment vanishes as quickly as a cloud in the sky. The conditioned soul is encircled by such products of sex desire and therefore bhakti-yoga leads to gradual evaporation of sex desire, which is summarized in three headings, namely profit, adoration, and distinction. All conditioned souls are mad after these different forms of sex desire, and one shall see from himself how much he has been freed from such material hankerings based primarily on sex desire. As a person feels his hunger, 
as a person feels his hunger satisfied after eating each morsel of food, he must similarly be able to see the degree to which he has become, been freed from sex desire. Sex desire in its various forms is diminished by the process of bhakti-yoga because bhakti-yoga automatically, by the grace of the Lord, effectively results in knowledge and renunciation, even if the devotee is not materially very well educated. Knowledge means knowing things that, as they are. Again, knowledge means knowing things as they are. And if by deliberation it is found that there are things which are at all unnecessary, naturally the person who has acquired knowledge leaves aside such unwanted things. When the conditioned soul finds by culture of knowledge that material necessities are unwanted things, he becomes detached from such unwanted things. This stage of knowledge is called vairagya, or detachment from unwanted things. We have previously discussed that the transcendentalist is required to be self-sufficient and should not beg from the rich blind persons to fulfill the bare necessities of life. Shukadeva Goswami has suggested some alternatives for the bare necessities of life, namely the problem of eating, sleeping and shelter, but he has not suggested any alternative for sex satisfaction. One who has sex desire still with him should not at all try to accept the renounced order of life. For one who has not attained to this stage, there is no question of a renounced order of life. So by the gradual process of devotional service, under the guidance of a proper spiritual master, and following the principles of the Bhagavatam, one must be able at least to control the gross sex desire before one accepts the renounced order of life factually. So purification means getting free gradually from sex desire and thus, and this is attained by meditation on the person of the Lord as described herein, beginning from the feet. One should not try to go upwards artificially without seeing for himself how much he has been released from sex desire. The smiling face of the Lord is the tenth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And there are many upstarts who at once try to begin with the tenth canto, and especially with the five chapters which delineate the Rasalila of the Lord. This is certainly improper. By such improper study or hearing of the Bhagavatam, the material opportunities, the material opportunists, have played havoc by indulgence in sex life in the name of the Bhagavatam. This vilification of the Bhagavatam is rendered by the acts of the so-called devotees. One should be free from all kinds of sex desire before he tries to make a show of recital of the Bhagavatam. Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur clearly defines the import of purification as cessation from sex indulgence. He says, Yata, Yata, Dishcha Sujati, Vishaya Lampatyam Tyajati, Tata, Tata, Darayad, Iti, Chitashudi, Taratam Yanaiva, Dhyana, Taratamya Uptam. As one is get, as, as, and as one gets free from the intoxication of sex indulgence by purification of intelligence, one should step forward to the next meditation, or in other words, the progress of meditation on the different limbs of the transcendental body of the Lord should be enhanced in proportion to the progress of purification of the heart. The conclusion is that those who are still entrapped by sex indulgements, should never progress to meditation above the feet of the Lord. Therefore, recital of Srimad Bhagavatam by them should be restricted to the first and second cantos of the great literature.
one must complete the purificatory process by assimilating the contents of the first nine cantos. Then one should be admitted into the realm of the tenth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Text 13 The process of meditation should begin from the lotus feet of the Lord and progress to His smiling face. The meditation should be concentrated upon the lotus feet, then the calves, then the thighs, and in this way higher and higher. The more the mind becomes fixed upon the different parts of the limbs, one after another, the more the intelligence becomes purified. PURPORT The process of meditation recommended in the Srimad Bhagavatam <clears throat> is not to fix one's attention on something impersonal or void. The meditation should concentrate on the person of the Supreme Godhead, either in his Virat Rupa, the gigantic universal form, or in his Satchitananda Vigraha, as described in the scriptures. There are authorized descriptions of Vishnu forms, and there are authorized representations of deities in the temples. Thus one can practice medita meditating upon the deity, concentrating his mind <clears throat> concentrating his mind on the lotus feet of the Lord and gradually rising higher and higher up to his smiling face. According to the Bhagavat school, the Lord's rasa dancing is the smiling face of the Lord. Since it is recommended in this verse, that one should gradually progress from the lotus feet up to the smiling face. We should not jump at once to understand the Lord's pastimes in the rasa dance. It is better to practice concentrating our attention by offering flowers and tulsi leaves to the lotus feet of the Lord. In this way, we gradually become purified by the archana process. We dress the Lord, bathe Him, and so on. And all these transcendental activities help us purify our existence. When we reach the higher standard of purification, if, if we see the smiling face of the Lord or hear the rasa dance pastimes of the Lord, then we, will, then we can relish His activities. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, therefore, the rasa dance pastimes are delineated in the tenth canto, Chapters 29 through 33. The more one concentrates on the transcendental form of the Lord, either on the lotus feet, the calves, the thighs, or the chest, the more one becomes purified. In this verse, it is clearly stated, the more the, intelligent, the, more the intelligence becomes purified, which means the more one becomes detached from sense gratification. I'll read that again. In this verse it is clearly stated, the more the intelligence becomes purified, which means the more one becomes detached from sense gratification. Our intelligence in the present conditioned state of life is impure due to being engaged in sense gratification. The result of meditation on the transcendental form of the Lord will be manifested by one's detachment from sense gratification. Therefore, the ultimate purpose of meditation is purification of one's intelligence. Those who are too engrossed in sense gratification cannot be allowed to participate in archana or to touch the transcendental form of the Radha Krishna or Vishnu deities. For them it is better to meditate upon the gigantic Virat Rupa of the Lord as recommended in the next verse. The impersonalists and the voidists are therefore recommended to meditate upon the universal form of the Lord, whereas the devotees are recommended to meditate on the deity worship in the temple. Because the impersonalists and the voidists are not sufficiently purified in their spiritual activities, Archana is not meant for them. Text 
14. Until the gross materialist develops a sense of loving service under the Supreme Lord, the seer of both the transcendental and material worlds, he should remember or meditate upon the universal form of the Lord at the end of his prescribed duties. PURPORT The Supreme Lord is the seer of all worlds, both material and transcendental. In other words, the Supreme Lord is the ultimate beneficiary and enjoyer of all worlds, as confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita, 5.29. The spiritual world is the manifestation of His internal potency, and the material world is the manifestation of His external potency. The living entities are His marginal potency, and by their own choice they can live in either the transcendental or material worlds. The material world is not a fit place for living entities because they are spiritually one with the Lord and in the material world the living entities become conditioned by the laws of the material world. The Lord wants all living entities who are His parts and parcels to live with Him in the transcendental world and for enlightening conditioned souls in the material world, all the Vedas and the revealed scriptures are there expressly to recall the conditioned souls back home, back to Godhead. Unfortunately, the conditioned living entities, although suffering continually the three, threefold miseries of conditioned life, are not very serious about going back to Godhead. It is due to this it is due to their misguided way of living, complicated by sins and virtues. Some of them who are virtuous by deeds begin to re-establish the lost relation with the Lord, but they are unable to understand the personal feature of the Lord. The real purpose of life is to make contact with the Lord and be engaged in His service. That is the natural position of living entities. But those who are impersonalists and are unable to render any loving service to the Lord have been advised to meditate upon His impersonal feature, the Virat Rupa, or universal form. Some way or other, one must try to re-establish one's forgotten relation with the Lord if one at all desires to gain real happiness in life and to reclaim His natural unfettered condition. For the less intelligent beginners, meditation on the impersonal feature, the Virat Rupa, or universal form of the Lord, will gradually qualify one to rise to personal contact. One is advised herewith to meditate upon the Virat Rupa specified in the previous chapter in order to understand how the different planets, seas, mountains, rivers, birds, beasts, human beings, demigods, and all that we can conceive are but different parts and limbs of the Lord's Virat form. This sort of thinking is also a type of meditation on the Absolute Truth, and as soon as such meditation begins, one develops one's godly qualities, and the whole world appears to be happy, a happy and peaceful residence for all the people of the world. Without such meditation on God, either personal or impersonal, all good qualities of the human being become covered with misconceptions regarding his constitutional position, and without such advanced knowledge, the whole world becomes a hell for the human being. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai what purports, huh? Text 15. 
O king, whenever the yogi desires to leave this planet of human beings, he should not be perplexed about the proper time or place, but should comfortably sit without being disturbed and regulating the life air should control the senses by the mind. Purport In the Bhagavad Gita 8.14 it is clearly stated that a person who is totally engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord and who constantly remembers Him at every step easily obtains the mercy of the Lord by entering into His personal contact. Such devotees do not need to seek an opportune moment to leave the present body. But those who are mixed devotees, alloyed with fruitive action or empirical philosophical speculation, require an opportune moment for quitting this body. For them, the opportune moments are stated in the Bhagavad Gita 8.23-26. But these opportune moments are not as important as one's being a successful yogi who is able to quit his body as he likes. Such a yogi must be competent to control his senses by the mind. The mind is easily conquered simply by engaging it at the lotus feet of the Lord. Shall I repeat that? The mind is easily conquered simply by engaging it at the lotus feet of the Lord. Gradually, by such service, all the senses become automatically engaged in the service of the Lord. That is the way of merging into the Supreme Absolute. Prabhupada Ki Jai. Text 16 Thereafter, the yogi should merge his mind by his unalloyed intelligence into the living entity and then merge the living entity into the super-self. And by doing this, the fully satisfied living entity becomes situated in the supreme stage of satisfaction so that he ceases from all other activities. Purport. The functions of the mind are thinking, feeling, and willing. When the mind is materialistic or absorbed in material contact, it acts for material advancement of knowledge, destructively ending in discovery of nuclear weapons. But when the mind acts under the spiritual urge, it acts wonderfully for going back home, back to Godhead for life in complete bliss and eternity. Therefore, the mind has to be manipulated by good and unalloyed intelligence. Perfect intelligence is to render service unto the Lord. One should be intelligent enough to understand that the living, that the living being is in all circumstances a servant of the circumstances. Every living being is serving the dictates of desire, anger, lust. Every living being is serving the dictates of desire, anger, lust, illusion, insanity, and enviousness, all materially affected. But even while executing such dictations of different temperaments, he is perpetually unhappy. When one actually feels this, and turns his intelligence to inquiring about it from the right sources, he gets information of the transcendental loving service of the Lord. Instead of serving materially for the above-mentioned different humors of the body, the living entity's intelligence then becomes freed from the unhappy illusion of materialistic temperament, and thus, by unalloyed intelligence, the mind is brought into the service of the Lord. The Lord and His service are identical, being on the absolute plane. Therefore, the unalloyed intelligence and the mind are merged into the Lord, and thus the living entity does not remain a seer himself, but, because, but becomes seen by the Lord 
transcendentally. When the living entity is directly seen by the Lord, the Lord dictates to him to act according to his desire. And when the living entity follows him perfectly, the living entity ceases to discharge any other duty for his illusory satisfaction. In his pure, unalloyed state, the, the living being attains the stage of full bliss, labdho prashanti. Labdho prashanti. And ceases all material hankerings. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. All right, we'll stop here. It's almost 8 o'clock. And we'll start tomorrow with text 17. And we're just hanging on our seats, waiting for the reflections to come from the assembled sages, the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. First is from Rati Manjari. Hare Krishna Rati Manjari. She says, Jai Guru Maharaj, my lifeline. <laughs> Hare Krishna. And from Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Bo Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj, and all assembled sages. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada in your daily reading service, dear Maharaj. Hare Krishna, thank you. A constant sense, uh, source of encouragement. Gopakanya Devi Dasi. And from Christopher. Hare Krishna, back to Christopher. Hare Krishna, Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Jai Srila Prabhupada. Sudevi Dasi says Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna Sudevi Dasi. And Rai Kanu Devi Dasi. Rai Kanu Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna dear Guru Maharaj. Please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Jai Haribo. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. So far, so good. <laughs> We're waiting for the Welsh boys. They're probably having a festival or something. So this is very interesting, this section of the Srimad Bhagavatam, how rather than rejecting persons who are incapable of thinking about the form of the Lord, the Bhagavatam gives them something to think about that will take them toward thinking about the form of the Lord. Uh, and Srila Prabhupada and Lord Chaitanya and Srila Prabhupada following in Lord Chaitanya's footsteps have given us this dual process dual in the sense that there's two tracks of this bhakti train and ha they have to be parallel the deity worship and the hearing and chanting and explaining in other words the preaching 
these two activities have to be there uh, for the devotees to be able to uh, properly worship the Lord and properly worship the holy name of the Lord. Because the holy name of the Lord is the Yuga Dharma. And all the other uh, processes that are being described here in this part of the Bhagavatam are done by the offenseless chanting of the holy name. When we chant our rounds offenselessly, we automatically prepare ourselves for the highest rungs of devotional life, uh, entrance into the spiritual world. So, as at the end of the eighth chapter, there's this one verse. What, could you get me the Gita? Hmm. The very last verse of the eighth chapter. Hmm. Ya Vedeshu Yagyeshu Tapaksha Chaiva Dhaneshu Yat Punya Pralam Pradishtam Atyetitat Sarvamidam Viditva Yogi Param Stan Upaidi Chadyam A person who accepts the path of pure of pure a person who accepts the path of pure devotional service is not bereft of the results derived from studying the Vedas, performing sacrifices, undergoing austerities, giving charity, or pursuing philosophical and fruitive activities. Simply by performing devotional service, he attains all these, and at, the, and at, that and at the end, he reaches the supreme, eternal abode. So the chanting of Hare Krishna without offense is the Yuga Dharma and uh, especially congregationally but also uh, in our japa individual meditation on the holy name contains all the symptoms of the advancement of all the other activities and processes of knowledge given in the Vedas. This is supremely supreme good fortune that we took birth in the Kali Yuga just after Lord Chaitanya appeared extreme good fortune and the only way we can pay back that good fortune is by chanting you know off offenselessly and distributing the holy name and the knowledge of Krishna's pastimes and philosophy uh, to, to non-devotees that's it that's the essence of the Christian consciousness movement, the ex essence of the process of pure devotional service. Hare Krishna. Try to fill in some space here before we get some more reflections. There's something here from Daitari Haridas. Daitari Haridas, Haribo. We were, we've been waiting for you to come on board. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you again. Some of those purports were phenomenal. Mm. In the purport to text 12, we heard about the positive engagement in devotional Positive engagement in devotional service cleanses the... How the devotion cleanses? Mind affected f from sex desire. Yes. I was wondering to what intensity and focus do we need to be positively engaged in order to really see these effects powerfully manifest? It's like it's like when you it's like when you're hungry and you sit down to a, a nice meal. With every bite of the meal you feel uh, more satisfied. And at one point, when you put that last bite in, then you feel satisfied. So it's like that. Uh, it, it's proportionate to the level of absorption that you have achieved 
in these different processes of devotional service, the nine activities of devotional service, and especially hearing and chanting. So the answer to your question is that you know yourself. No one else can do this for you or, or perceive it for you. You know yourself when you're getting a taste for hearing and chanting. When you get a taste for hearing and chanting, you become addicted. And if you don't do it every day, you feel restless and some, like there's something wrong, kind of like an addiction. If you're a drug addict, doesn't get his fix every day. He, feels, he goes crazy, his senses go crazy. So the mind of a devotee, and this is proportionate, it's not everyone feels this to the same degree, but uh, in proportion to the uh, intensity of your sincerity and desire, when you hear and chant, you will feel satisfied. And when that satisfaction becomes uh, strong enough that you feel addicted, then you know you're going forward properly. And that principle is carried forward all the way through to meeting Krishna face to face. In other words, your desire has to be extremely strong. And the first symptom of that is that you see, literally, how disgusting the material world is. You know, everything that passes through this material body is smelly and contaminated and must be disposed of very carefully so that it does not contaminate and infect uh, others with disease. That's what the material body is. So it, it's, a gra it's a gradual thing. When you become, when you finally come to the point of actually feeling embarrassed that you're in a material body, you don't have to use the toilet and all the different things that you have to do to lug this body around and uh, do the things that we need to do to keep the body and soul together. Then that combined with your hearing, you know, with, the, with strong desire, uh, gives you that uh, feeling of freedom from material existence, culminating in freedom from sex desire and all other forms of, of sense gratification. Then you can become addicted to hearing and chanting about Krishna. But you know, Daiti Haridas, to tell you the truth, I think you're already pretty addicted because I can hear in your reflections that you're hearing pretty deeply and you like what you hear and your explanations of what you hear are quite good. So you just have to keep on trucking, as they say, as we used to say in the old days. Hare Krishna. Yes, Goranga Gopal. The Welsh boys are coming on. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai. I was wondering if you could expand a little on what the three headings of sex desire, namely profit, adoration, and distinction. Isn't it self-explanatory? Profit? Isn't it obvious? It means whatever you do, whether it be a personal relationship with another person or your occupational duty or your family life or whatever, it's, it's like, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch mine. <laughs> and when the other person stops scratching your back, then you start, stop scratching his or hers. That's profit. Everything's 
businesslike. You're a friend with another person because of the things that he likes to do, the things that you like to do. And if you stop doing the things he likes to do, then you're no longer your friend. I have personal experience. The person I went with to first meet Srila Prabhupada, and my response to Srila Prabhupada was full-on surrender. And he felt so uncomfortable. And I stopped, you know, drinking Coca-Cola and doing the stupid things we used to do. <laughs> and that, And very quickly, within just a day or two, it was friendship was finished and it was a long-term friendship from like six seven years old it's a childhood friendship but it was all based on doing the kinds of things that both of us like to do it had nothing to do with who we were adoration who doesn't like to be adored who in the material world we came here because we wanted to be adored we, we want to imitate Krishna, so here you are. Distinction. Yeah, we want to be better than others. It's pretty obvious. Hare Krishna. Yes, Rati. He says, Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. Tonight I thought about Sri the Prabhupada's expertise to present us the Krishna book in the very beginning of the movement even though he writes in tonight's purport that one should first assimilate the first nine cantos of the Srimad Bhagavatam what a compassionate and masterful gesture to give us the personal pastimes of the Supreme Lord he is truly an empowered Acharya yes and the reason is because his commentaries huh protect us and guide us to, to hear the, the, the Tenth Canto pastimes of Krishna properly. His, his, his own comments in, in his summary study protect us. So expert, as you have stated, it's so, he's so expert, such an empowered personality. from Jagamohan. Yes, Jagamohan. <coughs> Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj. Last night I was able to download your narration of the Chaitanya Charitamrita from Audible. Oh, good. All glories to all those involved in this wonderful service. How was it? Did, was it good? Bhaktarupa. Yes, Bhaktarupa. Thank you for your reading, Maharaj. Please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Really appreciated the purport where Prabhupada described an art in Riti. Quote, things which are artificially acquired gradually disappear along with the progress of Bhakti Yoga. Mm. Unquote. I liked how Prabhupada described an artist as things which are artificially acquired. I wondered how long this stage of an art in the is expected to last, and what can we do to make sure we are properly removing the unwanted things from our hearts? Use everything in the service of Krishna. This is the sure way forward. It's not that necessarily we're more advanced when we have no material things. That's not necessarily true. It's not absolute that as you become attached uh, to Krishna, then you don't have anything, any material things. But you're not attached to them. And the reason you're not attached to them is because you realize that they belong to Krishna. And you use those things in the service of Krishna consciously. 
That's the way forward. That's Rupa Goswami's definition of real uh, renunciation, not artificial renunciation. If we renounce something that is usable in Krishna's service, that is called palgul bhairagya. It is, it, it is false renunciation and it will not last. So this is another symptom or another way you can tell if your detachment from material things, even though you have them, we have, look at this altar, it's so nice. We're using the computer, using the phone to communicate with the world. These are all modern technological advancements of, the, of, of good quality. But we're using them in Krishna's service. Therefore, we don't feel attached to them. We don't feel like they're ours. Hare Krishna. More from Daitari Hari? Yes, Daitari Hari. I was also wondering about the point of how a neophyte devotee should meditate on the Lord's feet before going higher. This applies to many levels, it seems, both in terms of the deity and in terms of the first two cantos of the Bhagavatam. I read in the fourth canto recently the chapter about the song sang by Lord Shiva in one of Prabhupada's purports that the neophyte should thoroughly study the first two cantos before proceeding forward. How do we best understand this in proper context? Well, it means that you shouldn't dwell on the higher topics. As, as Radhi brought out the point that Prabhupada gave us the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam in the very beginning, one of the first books he wrote gave us uh, the, the personal activities of Krishna. But because they were the way they were written and Srila Prabhupada's comments along with them protects us. Of course, he also gave us the first canto of the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita in the beginning. It means what I, what I have realized in my devotional life is um, you shouldn't dwell on topics that you're not ready for. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't hear them or you shouldn't be aware of them. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be aware of the goal. But we shouldn't dwell there. And how do you tell? If, you're, if you get sexually agitated when you hear about Krishna's pastimes with the gopis, then you should stop. Prabhupada told us this directly. If you feel yourself getting agitated by hearing about the pastimes of uh, Krishna, Krishna with the gopis, then you should stop. But we hear in the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhishma passing away. And what is the last thing he says? He glorifies Krishna for being the supreme brahmacharya because he didn't get agitated when he was dancing with the gopis. So in this way, there's, there are things in the earlier cantos which touch upon Krishna's personal pastimes, but don't dwell there. Therefore, if you keep hearing the Bhagavad Gita regularly while you're going through the Bhagavatam, you will be safe. And Prabhupada's purports also help protect you and keep you safe. Not that we should just stay on the first canto, you know, for our whole devotional lives thinking, oh, I still have some sex desire, therefore I can't read any further. But we don't dwell, you know. We should dwell on the Bhagavad Gita and on the first and second cantos of the Bhagavatam. Those are the main, where the main points we use for, for preaching to others and to get them to actually take spiritual life seriously. That's where those points reside. 
So I have, in my spiritual life, I've always tried to uh, read proactively in, in Prabhupada's books. In other words, I'm looking for things to say that will help other people understand. And if you do that, if you read actively like that, and then use the things you're hearing to explain the basics to people who know nothing about Krishna consciousness, then you will be protected and you will remove the anartas and you will be able to go forward very easily and very naturally. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur uses the term uh, incidental hearing. What he means is that you keep hearing the Bhagavatam all the way through and don't dwell when you get to the tenth canto in certain sections don't dwell there just keep hearing again and again and if you do that everything will be put into proper perspective and eventually you'll be naturally attracted you'll get natural special attraction for a particular uh, pastime of the Lord and that will guide you forward but mainly, mainly devotees who get premature start to dwell on sections of the Bhagavatam and they forget all the other pastimes. They stop hearing the pastimes of Krishna killing the demons or Krishna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra or all of the basic uh, philosophical points in the Bhagavad Gita that allow us to be able to think and feel and will and act spiritually in our daily lives. In other words, apply the knowledge to ourselves, not just to others. And then you'll be guided directly by Krishna within the heart. He will appreciate and He'll protect you. We shouldn't be so guarded, you know, that we're like afraid to, you know, and I'm going to look at that. That's a fourth canto. No, you can't do it. No, no, you can't read that. You I, was, I was in Govardhan and I was reading Chaitanya Charitamrita, as I do. You know, I read all the books all the way through. I just keep going through again and again. And I was in the Chaitanya Charitamrita at that time. And there were these three ladies from Hong Kong that were there and they came to the reading. And one of them raised his hand, his hand and said, this is wonderful, can I read this book? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was told that I can't read this book. And I said, well, you can't read this book? Well, Prabhupada published it and we, he had us distributing them on the streets, you know, single volume at a time in 1975, 76. So that means he doesn't want you to read it? So we shouldn't take these kinds of statements, you know, too far and become fanatics about, we should hear all the books, but we shouldn't dwell in those places that either we become confused or we become agitated. We should, you know, keep hearing and the purports will explain to you everything and adjust everything. That is Shiva Prabhupada's greatness. Hare Krishna. And, uh, says Jai, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Rasika Shiramani. He's in the other room, that's why he's doing this thing. And from Jagamohan? Jagamohan, Hare Krishna. The audiobook sounds great, Maharaj. I have been listening to it most of the day. I am at chapter 7, going into detail about the Panchatattva. Wow! That means he's listened a lot. Well, thank you very much, Jagamohan. Appreciate it. And from Daitari Hari? Yes, Daitari Hari. Thanks, Maharaj. That really cleared things up. I don't know how anything I say cleared things up, but I'm trying my best. 
Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samabeda Bhakta Brinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. Thank you all for your realizations and your wonderful, as usual, reflections that tell you the truth brings out the best in me. I, th- I, I can barely remember my name, what to speak of all these philosophical points. But somehow or other, when you're asking and I'm trying to answer, things come out that I didn't even, couldn't remember. So that's all your mercy. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same topic. The ever-expanding glories of the process of devotional service. Come on in, the water is fine. Hare Krishna, see you tomorrow.